Welcome to another inspirational teaching from Faith Family Church by Senior Pastor Mike DeBenke. For more information about our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv. excited that, you know, we've made it through 2020, through its best at us, but we're still standing. And uh, we believe God for 2021. You say, yeah, but has anything really changed? No, God has not changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's going to get us through 2021. He's going to get us through 2020. Until Jesus comes back, we're going to get through. Amen. Amen. So we just have to expect that. We've got to believe that. Uh, I want to thank everybody who, who showed up. This is the easiest day, probably the second easiest day of the year to miss church. The first one is the Sunday after Thanksgiving. You know, a lot of people, ah, you know, I'm just thankful I don't have to go to church today. And <laughs> um, but this is the day where we recover from all of the rush and all the shopping and then all the taking back and, and all of that. And everybody just says, just give me one Sunday. And uh, you guys overtook, you overcame that and you're here. And uh, those of you who are watching, you're here watching online, and I expect God to do big things for you because you honored him and you're here. Amen? So let's go ahead and jump in. I've got some stuff I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about, um, there's a saying that, that people say, it's, uh, it's important how you leave something because it determines how you enter something else. You know, how you leave a job will determine how you enter into your new job. You know, have you ever seen, <laughs> I saw a video where somebody thought they had a new job, so they went to the big meeting at their company, and they went in, and they told off the boss, and they talked about how terrible the company was, and, and they just really let everybody have it, I don't need you, I'm past this job. Well, come to find out their new job actually was not available, <laughs> and they no longer had the opportunity. So they literally had to go back and, you know, with their tail between their legs and talk about how sorry they were. And, of course, everybody there said, sorry, dude, you, you left. You know, it's over. So it's very important how we leave something because it will determine how we enter into something else. How you leave a relationship. You know, don't get bitter. Don't, don't get mean. Don't get spiteful. If a relationship doesn't work out, just, just walk in love. And you say, well, you don't know what they did. I know, but you don't want to carry the pain from that thing into your new relationships. It's no longer about them. It's about you and how you're going to move on. Does that make sense? And you want to move on with victory and, and with, with um, the ability to overcome and, and to achieve higher and better things instead of dragging all the junk from the past into this new opportunity. And I believe it's the same way for years. I think that, you know what, maybe this year's been tough. Maybe this year's been blessed. I know people that they have been, their company has flourished, and they have been financially blessed through this year. You know what? And, and it's important that, okay, we're going to leave that year, but we're going to expect even a better year next year. And there's people who've lost their jobs. They've gone through health crisis. They've, they've gone through relationships. There was so much pressure put on relationships when everybody was kind of in lockdown. You know, people thought they liked that person until they were with them a lot. And then all of a sudden, it's like, you know, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, so there's been a lot of stress, a lot of pressure put on. But let's, let's just leave right. Let's just tell 2020, goodbye, see ya, uh, and go with a positive appreciation of what God has prepared in 2021. Does that make sense? And it, I believe if we do that and we do it with that, that thought that 
2021 is going to start off okay. doesn't mean there's not going to be challenges. There will be, I promise you. Pastor Mike, you're being negative. No, I'm not being real. The Bible says that this life has storms. It's what we do in the storms that determine whether the storm wins or we win. Amen? So I, I just think that it's important for us to do that as we get ready to go. And uh, I want to talk about receiving from the Lord's table today. I want to talk about receiving Holy Communion and the power that's made available as we identify um, with who we are in Christ. That's really what communion is about. It, it, it is not a religious exercise. It's not something you just do because every so often in church they do it and you just get through it. No, it, it, it's about identification. It's about remembering who Christ is, what he did, and now who I am because of that and the fact that I've accepted that. Then, then everything changes. And what communion is, it's like a refresher course. It's like a reminder. Uh, when, you know, when the water gets rough, it's, it's, it's a reminder that, no, 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 this is, this is already taken care of. No, 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 you're, you're, you're still more than a conqueror. No, you're still an overcomer. You're, you're still you know, able to, to, to see this through because greater is he that's in you already than he that's in the world. And, and we know that, that Jesus himself says, you know, you don't got to worry about it. Focus on me. Don't focus on the wind and the waves. Remember Peter? He's walking on water. Nobody's done that, man. He, he's the only man besides Jesus that ever walked on water. And as he's walking and he's looking at Jesus, everything's good. The storm is going on, but he's looking at Jesus. But as he gets distracted and he starts saying, man, that wind is blowing. Man, them waves are high. Suddenly, he's, you know, he starts sinking. He starts going down because he got his eyes off of Jesus and got his eyes on the circumstances around him. And the Bible says, whoop, he sunk. But the goodness of God, as he's sinking, he cries out. And maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you're about to go under. Cry out because Jesus is right there to grab you by the hand, to pull you back up on top of that storm, and to walk you back to the boat. That's what, that's what communion is about. It's, it's, it's remembering and identify what's already happened, okay? So don't think of it as religious. And, and, I, and I talked to somebody this morning, and, and they said, they go, Pastor, is it, is it weird that, is it wrong for me to think it's weird to drink Jesus' blood? And it's not when you, what, what it is, is, it's just gaining a little more understanding. You're not, you're not, drink, you're not becoming some spiritual vampire, what you're doing is you're identifying with the broken body and the shed blood that, that happened on your behalf. See, Jesus was already in heaven. He was already sin-free. He was already in right standing with the Father. Everything was perfect for him. But he came and went through that so that you could join him in that. Does that make sense? You guys with me? And, and what we're doing, when, when, and we're going to look at when Jesus taught this, when, when Jesus said, this is my, my body, eat. He's not talking about becoming cannibal and something like that. This is my blood drink. He's not talking about something gro gross. What he's saying, identify, commune, commune with me, come together with me. In other words, you're as close as my body and my blood. There's no separation between us anymore. Does that make sense? And that's what really that means is we're partaking of him. We are more than conquerors because we are in Christ. Make sense? So now we're going to kind of unfold this a little bit. And, and I know some of you may be going through difficult times. Some of you may be on top of the mountain right now. 
there will be times where you need to slow down, stop, take your eyes off the storm, and focus back on Jesus. And that's really what communion's about. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16. You guys with me? Yeah. You excited about learning this? Yeah. How many of you have ever had questions about communion? How many of you have ever lacked the understanding of how important communion is and the fact that it actually has these amazing benefits that, that, that are available to you by entering in and identifying with that broken body and that shed blood? Amen? So that's what we're going to talk about today is these supernatural benefits. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 16 says, The cup of blessing which we bless, he's talking about this, this cup for communion, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The communion, the, the, the coming together, the understanding that there's nothing separating me from the blood of Christ and what it accomplished. You know, the bread which we break, is it not communion of the body of Christ? In other words, let's get our minds straight. Let's focus on what's really being said here. It's not some religious activity so we can look spiritual. It's actually identifying and coming together in, in community. When somebody lives in commune, when they live in community, everything is shared. It, you know, what's theirs is ours, what's ours is theirs. And what Jesus did, he came with us, and, and the Bible says that he took our unrighteousness and he gave us his righteousness. So whatever Jesus is, we are. Whatever healing powers in his body, we now have. Whatever victory he's won is now ours. That's, that's really what it's talking about. We're communing with him. And, and it, it's for us to understand that. And, and what we do is we're mingling our life with his, where it comes, you, you can't see a separation anymore. Do you know when, the, when the, the Bible says when the devil looks at us and we're walking in everything that God has provided and we're, we're standing there knowing this is mine because of Christ, the Bible says that he can't tell us from God. But we're standing in the armor of God. He doesn't know. When we show up and we don't doubt, we resist, it says he runs from us just like he runs from, from God. He, he's, he's defeated by us standing in who we are in Christ. He, he'll flee, the Bible says, as in terror. He, he runs with his tail between his legs afraid when we're standing there identifying with what it means to wear the armor of God. Amen. Because we look like, we're not God, but we look like God. Because we're standing in that armor. In the spirit realm, he, he's like, whoa, whoa, you know, the, the big guy's here. I got to get out of here. It's just like um, we have a picture at home on the refrigerator. And this should give you hope. Um, that it's a picture of me holding Chris when he's very young. And Noah said, you know, um, Donna goes, you know who that is? And Noah says, yeah, that's me and my dad. And she goes, no, that, that's, that's Papa and your dad. Your dad's the baby there. And Noah's like, wow. And then Kaylee come up. Noah goes, hey, Kaylee, who's that? And she goes, that's daddy holding you. And, of course, Noah had to, you know, explain to her like he knew it all along. No, you know, that's Papa holding daddy. But, you see, they couldn't tell the difference, you know. So there's hope, brother. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I really am. You can't see him, but that's my wonderful son who loves it when, when I, you know, share things like this with him. So, but, so what that's telling us is that, that whatever anointing is on Jesus, which he is the anointed one, now that anointing is available to us. It's, it's for us. And, and what does anointing do? The Bible says it removes 
burdens. And it destroys yokes, yokes of bondage. When you yoke something, you control it. And there's things in this life that will try to control us. There's, there's burdens that will try to weigh us down. You know, um, like an ox and, and, and things like that. They're called beasts of burden, which means a lot of, a lot of stuff is laid on them. And their whole existence is to work and, to, and to, to make things, you know, that are difficult, take it from there to here. And, and the devil tries to lay these burdens on us where we get wore out and we get tired and we get frazzled and stuff. And then he tries to yoke us to something, maybe on our computer or maybe, you know, in a glass or maybe in a, in a bottle or maybe in a rolled up a little twisted piece of paper. Whatever it is, he, he tries to, to, to yoke us to things where we, we think, I, I got to have that. I got to have that. Pastor Mike, you don't understand. I got to have that to, to, to settle down, to get through the day, to, to, to be okay after the stress of the day. And, and I'm here to tell you, you know what? You may use that, but you don't have to have that if you identify with who you are in Christ. That yoke can be destroyed. That burden can be removed because that anointing that's on Jesus Christ, when you identify with him and you understand that coming to the communion table means I'm coming up to declare to the world who I am in Christ, that, that burden's removed, that yoke's destroyed. And you, I'm not saying, you know, that, you, you know, um, I'm not promoting or, or judging you for anything. What I'm telling you is don't be in a place where you have to have something when Jesus has already set you free. The Bible says he who is free is free indeed because of what Jesus did. Amen? Does that make sense? So don't think I'm judging. I'm not judging you. I'm just telling you about the power of communion. I'm telling you about what happens because there are so many people that have been robbed from this power that's made available to them because they don't identify. They don't understand. They're told, when I was a kid, uh, you don't know the church. You don't know the pastor. He was a great guy. He loved Jesus with all of his heart. But I remember him teaching that when communion came around, that if I, didn't, if I didn't deal with every sin in my life, if I didn't repent with everything that I'd done wrong in my life, if I didn't clean up all the, the bad stuff in my life, when communion comes around, if I go ahead and partake of it, then I'm actually going to bring damnation onto myself because I'm unworthy. And how dare I receive this communion that's been available through, through God and, and his son, that if, if I take, if, you know, partake of this, that I'm actually putting myself in a position for damnation to come onto my life. And so what do you do? You know, you're, you're a kid, you're at church, of course you've got sin, you know, you're learning all the things that you shouldn't do, and, 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 and you're imperfect, and, and you need a savior, but you're there, and, and okay, you know, oh yeah, I did say that, oh, I lied, no, I looked at that picture, oh, I shouldn't have done that, oh yeah, I smarted off to mom, and yeah, I, I did that, oh, did I, did I repent for every single thing in my life? If I didn't, it's damnation, what am I going to do? I don't want to partake of it, but then if I don't partake of it, if I don't partake of communion, then everybody around me is going to know that I'm this dirty sinner, like they didn't already know. But in my mind, they didn't know. You know, so what do I do? Do I take, do I take damnation or do I live in damnation? What do I do? You know, and, and it gets this catch-22 where people literally, they, they, they resist. When it's communion, they're like, oh, here we go. Because it brings up these guilty feelings. It brings up this identification with what you've done wrong instead of what Jesus has done right for you. Does that make sense? You know, I know people that have been told when they come to a church, they say, listen, listen, I understand that you're married to so-and-so and they were divorced. Well, you can't take communion because that's sin. 
Where is the God of second chances in that? Where is the benefit of salvation in being disqualified from receiving the benefit of salvation? It's religious garbage. It, it's, it's a twisting of God's word, and the root of it comes from the pit of hell where Satan is saying, let's deceive them so they don't walk in the benefits of everything that Jesus done for them, where they don't keep it fresh in their mind, and they're not reminded, you know, sometimes on a daily basis that they're free from everything we've tried to attach to them, and they can actually walk out that plan that God has for them, that plan of something good. And see, they, people just, they, they stay away from it because they don't know. Well, today we're going to know. Amen? You guys with me? So we, we want to learn what it means to, to, to partake of communion in an in a unworthy manner and in a worthy manner. What's the difference? What, what does that actually look like? For you to partake of communion in an unworthy manner means that you don't believe that the blood of Jesus was shed for you. And you don't believe that it's enough to cleanse you of all of your sin. See, to take it in an unworthy manner means that you still have to do something to get there. When the Bible says Jesus did everything that needed to be done so you could be there. Does that make sense? See, to take it in an unworthy manner is not to know Jesus because the communion table is for those who have accepted Jesus and are now in covenant with him, in covenant with the Father, in relationship, in right standing with the Father. Well, the only way to get there is by receiving Jesus. So if you don't know Jesus today, and we'll give you an opportunity at the end of service, whether you're online or in the, in the auditorium, if you don't know Jesus today, um, then don't receive communion because it doesn't mean anything to you. And it really makes a mockery of the sacrifice that Jesus made for mankind. You, you consider it nothing. It's like trotting it underfoot. So don't do that. If it doesn't mean anything to you, then don't take communion, you know? You can if you want to. I'm just saying that's what it means to receive it in an unworthy manner. To receive it in a worthy manner doesn't mean you're perfect, doesn't mean you've fixed everything that's wrong, doesn't mean you've dealt with all your sins. To receive it in a worthy manner means that you completely and totally rely on Jesus Christ and what he did. You believe that his blood was enough and, and, and it, that it settles it once and for all. His sacrifice covered all my sin. Not just some of them, not just the ones that, that people decide matter, but they cover all sin. You know, his broken body, his shed blood covers everything. And because of that, and I believe that, and I receive that, I now can receive communion in a worthy manner. Okay? Clear it up a little bit? So, now, as, as we go through this and we unpack it, I want you to see something. Turn with me, if you would, to... Um, where are we going to go? We're going to go to 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. Now, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. it's actually the scripture that we always refer to when we receive communion, which we will at the end of service. Hopefully, you got your elements. If you didn't, just at the end, you hold up your hands and we'll bring them to them. But what I, what I want you to see is that the Apostle Paul, who had the revelation of grace, of what it means to be saved by grace, that, that, you know, it's not of our own doing. It's entirely based on what Jesus did. He had this revelation, and what he's literally saying is all of this stuff is available to you. All, all of this has been, been, been made available if you'll just receive it. He's saying what I've gotten, what, what I got from God, I'm now going to give to you. But you got to receive it. 
God's not going to force it on you. Remember, God's not a forcer. He's a filler. If you make room for him, he'll fill your life. He will not force his way into your life. The truths of the Bible, you have to receive them for them to benefit you. They're truth, but for them to be true to you, you have to receive them. Okay? So, here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. Apostle Paul says this, For I received from the Lord... Thank you. I've received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. Guys, this is what I got. This is my revelation. This is what God gave me. Now I want you to grab it. Now I want you to pick it up, okay? On the same night in which he was betrayed. Boy, that's something to think about right there. What did Jesus do when he was betrayed? What did Jesus do when he was about to face some really, really bad things? The Bible says he took bread. Jesus wasn't having a perfect night. One of those closest to him was about to betray him, and it was going to set in motion the worst possible uh, scenario that any of us could ever imagine. He was going to be tortured. He was going to be beaten. He was going to be separated from his father. He was going to be murdered. And he knew that. So I want you to see what Jesus did. He knew. You know, on the night that he's betrayed, he said, okay, okay. You know what? I need to focus back on who am I? I am the son of God. I came to do this. I can do this. Remember, he went to the garden and he said, oh, you know, Father, if there's any way. He didn't want to go through it. If there's any way that, that this can pass from me, please let it happen. But if not, your will be done. And what he's doing here is, I believe with all of my heart, he's preparing himself to go through this. And he's also taken the opportunity to show us that what he used to get through is available for us to get through. Does that make sense? Remember, we're mingling. We're, we're communing with him. We become one with him. So here it is. This is the night he's about to be betrayed. He's drawing strength from this, and he's showing us that there's access. In verse 24, it says, when he had given thanks... He broke it and said, it's important to listen to what's being said. You ever talk to somebody that doesn't listen? You know, they're answering you before you even finish what you're saying. Isn't it annoying? It's kind of disrespectful. It's like, oh, well, why didn't you tell me what I'm saying is not important? So you could just go ahead and talk the whole time, right? I mean, that's really what it's like when they just start talking over you. So here he is. He's saying, now listen, When, when he took it, And now he says, we need to listen. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Now, what he is saying is, this is no longer just bread. We're not just having a meal here, guys. This is something that is life-changing. He picks up the bread, he breaks it, and he says, now focus, focus. This bread is now my body, and it's being broken for you. And what he's telling them is that because his body's going to be broken for you, that means, because remember, the exchange, that means any area of your life that's broken can now be made whole because his body was broken for you. He didn't need his body to be broken because he already had everything right. But now he's here showing us that I'm here for you. I'm here for you, for you, for you. I'm here for you. 
whatever you face, whatever you're going through, my body's going to be broken for you. And because of that, you can be made whole. You can get out of the brokenness and, and, and you can now enter into wholeness. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Do what in remembrance of him? Take communion. Take communion and remember him. Remember the body that's broken for you. When do you need to remember that? When it feels like you're broken. When it feels like there's nowhere for you to turn. When you feel like you have nowhere to go, that's when you need to stop, focus, and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus, his body was broken. So mine doesn't have to be. His body was broken so that mine can be made whole. If mine can be made whole and I receive this by faith, and Jesus already did it. He's not going to the cross again. That means that victory is mine. Even when I don't feel victorious. Right? This represents my body. This bread represents the body that's broken for you so that you can be whole. Then he goes on. You ready? Verse 25. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is no longer just the Kool-Aid to wash down your peanut butter and jelly sandwich. This cup now represents something much more. This cup now represents the new covenant that I'm about to make available to you. This cup is the new testament, the new promises of God's word for you. That you now will be repositioned re, um, back into right standing with the Father. Not because of what you've done but because of what I've done. This new covenant, it's not based on your performance any longer. It's now based on what I did, and you can freely receive it because I'm doing it for you. That's what's being said here. That's what he's talking about at this, this last supper, if you will. This is the new covenant. This is grace, the message of grace. And, and, and it's the New Testament in my blood, he says. So in, in this New Testament, we're already forgiven. We're already forgiven. Because he took on the sins of the world, we're already forgiven. We're already in right standing with the Father. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to repent our way there. We don't have to pay our way there. He's already paid the price for all of our sin, past, present, and future. All we have to do is accept it and identify with it. Does that make sense? You guys with me? Is that good? Am I making it clear? All right, so, and when we do that, we already have the victory. We're not trying to get the victory because we're beaten and broken down. No, 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 I'm a new creature in Christ. The victory is mine. It may not look like it, but my faith tells me it's so, so I'm going to act like I believe the Bible's true, and I'm going to start declaring it myself. I'm going to go ahead and remember the broken body and the shed blood that puts me in a position of victory. I'm going to identify with that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So this is me now, big devil. You can't stop me because... Because I am a child of God in right standing with the Father. Sickness and disease has no power. Poverty, brokenness can't stay on me because Jesus did enough for me to be made whole. He was broken so I could be whole. Amen? That's what happens. That's what happens when we take the time to stop looking at everything that's wrong and look at Jesus. And say, oh, that's my Savior. And I need him. But he's mine. He came because he wanted to, not because I begged him. Not because I measured up, but because I mattered. Amen? Does that make sense? So what do we do? It goes on. 
This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. This do as often, which means it's not just every so often. There's times in our life, at our house, we take communion every day. We wake up, when, when we get a doctor's report, when we get a report from the bank, when we get a report from, from our family, you know, telling us what's wrong with us and stuff, we say, oh, yeah, I'm going to take communion. <laughs> you think I'm not on that? Well, I'm going to go take communion. And God's going to tell me what's right with me, even if you won't. Shammy on your mammy. So <laughs> we take the time to focus on what's important. Doesn't mean we ignore the other stuff, but it's a lot easier to face the other stuff when you've reminded yourself who you are in Christ, Amen. what's been done for you, and what is available to you because you're a, a child of God. You're a Christian. That means you're Christ-like. A Christian means little Christ. Means we act and we're we're we're, we're with him. I'm with him. My brother was a tough guy, man. He was he was mean as a snake. He could he could beat up anybody I knew in our whole town. And, and he liked doing it. He's, but anyway, um, so whenever we go somewhere and somebody would mess with me, I'd say, hey, I'm with him. <laughs> Back off. And they would. So now when the devil shows up, say, hey, 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 I'm with him. My big brother, Jesus, who's already boxed your ears, blouse your eyes, and, and you know, taking care of whatever needs to be taken care of, I'm with him. That's what, that's what we're talking about. You guys with me? When we identify with this, we no longer carry the burden of our actions and the consequences of our choices because we're going to mess up. We're going to do some stuff wrong, right? If you've never messed up, raise your hand. Okay, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just messed up because we all mess up, but we have a Savior who didn't, and he opened up this new covenant called Grace for us. Verse 26, for as often as you eat the bread, his broken body, his final sacrifice for all your sins, and drink this cup, which is the New Testament in his blood, what we're doing is we're proclaiming the Lord's death till he comes. What does that mean? What is that talking about? Well, in another translation it says this, you're announcing the Lord's death until he shows up. You're saying Jesus already took care of it. It's a done deal. When I take communion, I'm telling the world I'm already connected. You know, if you know anybody in, in certain families or you've watched movies of families who when somebody says, uh, you know, don't mess with him, he's connected. That means he's got, he's got somebody bigger and more powerful protecting him. He's covered by their protection. Well, they got that from God. We, as children of God, we are connected with somebody bigger, more powerful than any force that would come against us. And sometimes they don't need to be reminded of that. Sometimes we need to be reminded of that. We need to focus on that. That's why God presents the communion table to us. It's for us to get back to that place. That's why in Psalms 23, it says this. Psalms 23, it says, you prepare, talking about God, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Do you know what that means? That whatever enemy has shown up today, whether it's sickness, disease, whether it's, it's, it's a broken relationship, whether it's, it's a financial struggle, whether it's emotional strain, whatever enemy has showed up, God says here in his word, he says, you know what? I've already set a table for you. That's the table of communion. That's the table that says, no, no, no. You sit down. I took care of this. 
you go ahead and identify with what it means to be my child in covenant with me. You sit down in the presence of your enemy. It means you don't got to fight the battle. God's there. He's already taken care of it. You sit down and you look at what's already defeated in your life. You identify with what it means to be a Christian, Amen. not what it means to be broken and defeated and, and barely getting by. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so what God is saying is, look, anytime you're facing these enemies, this big struggle, you need to, just, you need to remember there's a table. It's already set. The, the body's been broken. The blood has been shed. This is the covenant that's available to you. You need to look, wait, 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 wait. You're trying to break my body? Look at this. This bread, this bread was Jesus' body. It was broken for me, so you can't break my body. This blood, you trying to tell me what's wrong with me? You trying to make me feel like, like I'm, I'm excluded, like I'm separated from God? This blood, this blood represents Jesus' blood, which was shed so that I could be in right standing with God. And the Bible says nothing can separate me from that. So in the presence of your enemy, you sit there victoriously, identifying with who you are in Christ. Does that make sense? You guys with me? So, um, you say, yeah, but Pastor, you, you don't know the struggles I'm facing. I mean, I got real problems. I want to remind you at that last supper, when the disciples are sitting there, and God is using, our Jesus, which is God in the flesh, is using this opportunity to teach about the power of identifying with the broken body and the shed blood, that at that same table, the Bible says that Satan had entered into Judas which means Satan himself is sitting at that table, right? That's what it says. And it says that, that here we have Jesus, God in the flesh, so the, in the very form of his body and his blood, God is sitting at that table. And then you have these disciples who are learning about the power of partaking of that body and receiving from that blood. And it doesn't matter who's sitting at your table. doesn't matter who's facing you. Whatever challenge you're looking at, the devil himself can come to your house, and God is still with you. God is still available to you. You just have to identify with the fact, that, no, 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 I'm with him. You can, you can sit there, but you ain't nothing, because I'm with him. I identify with that broken body and that shed blood, which gives me the opportunity for my body to be made whole and for me to be washed clean from any sin and every sin because I know who I am in Christ. So, so I'm, I'm trying to show you the, the power of communion is in you identifying and focusing on what's already done for you. Does that make sense? So, and I know I keep saying that. I probably need to think of something else. Are you gaining awareness from what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, and, and here's Jesus sitting there which we know he is the anointed one, the Bible says. So that anointing, that, 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 that power, if you will, that removes burdens and destroys yoke is sitting at the table too. So wherever you're at, whatever you're feeling pressured by, whatever it's trying to take a hold of you, no, 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 it's, uh, we're at the table, baby. I, I'm partaking, I, you know, give me double portion for me. You know, you ever have something you really like and say, can I have another one? We were on a cruise one time. And we were there, and they brought out these lobster tails. And there was how many of us? 11 of us? And we liked those lobster tails. So I think it was Jared, to be honest with you, but we all wanted to do it. Jared goes, hey, can I have another one of these? And the guy who stands at your table waiting to answer your beck and call says, yes, of course. Immediately, most of us went, well, I have another one too. <laughs> By the end of that meal, it's amazing how many lobster tails have been eaten. <laughs> 57 
empty lobster tail shells <laughs> were on that table because we decided to partake <laughs> of the blessings that were available. Amen? And we did. And you know what? Maybe the kids in China are starving, but we were not because those blessings were available and we chose to partake. We didn't sit there and say, no, you, oh. nobody went like this. I don't deserve it. You know, oh, I'm not worthy of that. No, no, no. We said, I'll have one. I'll have another one. I'll have another one. And I'll tell you what, man, we munched down on some lobster tails because we were in the right seat. Now, you know what? Maybe if you were sitting somewhere else in another place in the world, Maybe you weren't, you weren't going to be able to do that. But when you're seated in the right place, you can partake of all the blessings that are available. Amen? And that's what God is trying to show us. So let's quickly go through the six benefits of Holy Communion. And we're going to do it really quick. So uh, the first one is this, and take notes. You, this is good stuff, or take pictures. The first one is supernatural peace. When you're partaking of communion, when you're, when you're identifying and you're mingling with God, you, you have the ability to have supernatural peace. In Genesis chapter 14, 18, it says, then Melchizedek, which is really a pre-incarnate uh, visitation of Christ, the king of Salem, the word Salem there actually comes from the Hebrew word shalom, which means peace. It means you're, you're covered with peace, nothing missing, nothing broken, you're good. And it says the king of peace brought out bread and wine. Now what had happened was Lot's, uh, or Abraham's nephew had been Kidnapped by all these bad kings who were doing these horrible things. Short version, uh, Abraham took 300 guys, 313, I think. And he said, we're going to go get back what's ours. Now, Abraham knew who he was. He knew he had a covenant with God, and he expected God to show up when he needed him. So Abraham goes to fight these kings, and he whoops them. And he takes Lot back and takes everything back. And he's come back, and now, right before he goes to face and has to deal with the king of Sodom, which really is a representation of, like, all evil. You know, it's a representation of, of evil. Um, right before he does that, all of a sudden, Jesus again shows up in the form of Melchizedek. And, and he brings forth, what's he bring? Bread and wine. He's reminding Abraham, hey, let's, let's, let's get focused here. You don't want to get distracted by this guy. Let's get focused on, on who, who you are and what's available to you. And, and the Bible says that, that, that he received that. And because of that, that king of Salem, the prince of peace. The, he, he made peace available to Abraham where he could go ahead and face the worst thing on the planet and he could be at peace with it because he identified, he communed with God. Does that make sense? Yeah. So he partook of it and he received the promised peace. Second thing found in, in, in the same or in the next chapter in verse 15, Genesis 15, it says after he received communion with Melchizedek, the, 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 the uh, prince of peace, um, the king of Salem, you know what I'm saying, I don't want to get in too big a hurry, but I have to. Anyway, so now, after that, after he what? After he received communion, look what it says. <clears throat> after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham. What does that mean? It means when you take the time to, 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 to check out of everything that's pressing you and stuff, and you, you focus on God, and, and you focus on what he's done for you, that's when you'll receive that right direction at the right time. That's when you'll get the answer you need to that tough question. The Bible says the steps of a righteous man or woman are ordered of the Lord. That's that instruction. That's that inward knowing of, you know, I don't think I'm going to get involved in that deal. I'm going to go ahead and pass on that this time. Because God's sitting there saying, don't do it. Don't do it. 
I got something better for you. That's that word of the Lord. Or, you know, do, what do we do here? How do we handle the situation? You, you take time to look at God and, and you let that word of the Lord rise up on the inside. Amen. That's what it's talking about. The word of the Lord came to Abraham after he had taken communion. After he had communed and focused on God, he got that word of the Lord. So we've got supernatural peace. We've got the word from God, right? Right answer at the right time. Now, we're going to go on. In, in 15, we go on a little bit further. He tells Abraham, he says, Abraham, do not be afraid. So the second thing is, or the third thing is, that we literally have supernatural deliverance from fear. The Bible says we've not been given a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. If you're facing something in life and you are becoming, oh my God, what do we got? You know, you're looking more at it than you are at your God that's bigger than it. You're focusing on the wrong thing. You're looking at the waves and the wind. You're not looking at Jesus standing right there in front of you in, in arm's reach. And, and, and you don't want to be distracted. But when you get close to Jesus, when you focus on him, now fear can't stay. The, the blood and the, and the body actually have the power to drive fear out of your life where you can make good decisions. I've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind which means I make good godly decisions based on God's word, not based on the circumstance. Does that make sense? You ever overreact to something and get yourself in a worse situation? Yeah. Just pump the brakes and say, wait a second, what's God saying? Let me get back to who I am in Christ, amen? So you're delivered from fear. In, in uh, uh, John 16, 33, in the Amplified, Jesus said, hey, don't worry about the world. I've already overcome the world, and I've denied its power to harm you. Fear can't stay when you realize who you are and, and, and what Jesus has done for you. Amen? All right, so you ready to keep moving, right? So supernatural peace, word from God, deliverance from fear. The next one is supernatural protection. That means no matter what comes at you, when you're focused, when, when, you, when you look at what God's done and you're identifying, you're, you're communing with the provisions that he's made available, you can be protected in spite of what the devil means. Remember... The shield of faith quenches how many of the fiery darts of the evil one? All of them. You, you, you've got to identify, though. You've got to look. It says this. It says, God said, I am your shield. I'm your shield. And, and a shield actually represents two things. It represents protection, but it also represents favor. So not only are you protected from the weapons of the enemy, no weapon formed against me will prosper, but I also have the favor of God in my life. It protects me from, from um, the opposite of favor. And what does favor do? It opens doors you can't open. Right. It also shuts doors that you or nobody else can shut. God can shut those doors. He can cause your name to rise to the pile for advancement and for promotion. He can cause things to work out for your good, where for somebody else who don't know who they are in Christ and they're not expecting things to work out, they probably won't. But because you know who you are and you're identifying, you can expect that favor to make a way where... There might not even be a way. Does that make sense? He goes on in, in, in uh, 15.1, and this, this is a good one. And I know a lot of people have trouble with this, but it's what God says in his word. So just do me a favor and, and receive it as God's word. Not some person on TV, not some preacher standing in front of you, but this is God's word to you. Amen? The next one is, I am your exceeding great reward. What does that mean? Does that mean he gives me an attaboy? No. If you study this out, you look in the Amplified Version, this is what it says. I am your abundant compensation and your reward shall be exceedingly great. God wants to supernaturally provide for you. 
He wants things to work out. That's, that's what he says when he goes, listen, if you'll give me a dime out of your dollar, I'm going to take it. I'm going to do my work with it. Then I'm going to press it down, shake it together, and cause it to come back running over. Are other people going to give to you? Now, that might be through promotion. It might be through a good deal. It might, it might be through a salary bonus. I don't know what it is, but God says he's going to do it because that's part of what it means to be in covenant with him. He wants you to be blessed. Does that mean you're going to be a fat cat? You're going to be rich? You're going to ride around? and be good? No, that means that you're going to be blessed enough to be a blessing. And how much you can handle without getting yourself off track is how much God's going to bring to you. Right. Well, how come he has more? Because he's better with it than you are. Because you're using more of it for you than you are for what God wants you to use it for. Does that make sense? So divine provision. Now, here's the last one. And the last one is, is just a really good one, okay? It's found later on in chapter 18, verse 14. And to remind you what's going on, we have Abraham and Sarah who are very old now. They've wanted children their whole life. They haven't been able to have children, but God told him, he says, I'm going to make you, he told Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of many nations, which means my promise is you're going to have kids and they're going to have kids. And Abraham, okay, I receive it. But as time went on, they struggle with it. And Abraham's out working and stuff, and all of a sudden he sees these three figures coming up. And these three figures really are a, a God uh, showing up in, in the form of these three figures to, to um, commune with Abraham. And when Abraham saw them, he knew, he goes, this is God, and this is God, he's showing up. So he ran, and what did he do? He got some food, he got some bread, he, he, he's going to commune with God. So he runs, he tells Sarah, bake some bread. God's in the house, you know. So, so he does, and as, as he's sitting there communing, and, and a lot of people believe, and I do too, that these three figures represent the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, the whole package. Abraham, it says that, that he was accounted righteous because he believed what we now have. So he believed in the fullness of God in our lives. And so here he is, and, and he, they're communing, and one of the, you know, which I believe it's Jesus standing there because it, it, it's the power of that body and that blood that's now present with him. He tells him, he says, Abraham, this time next year, your wife's going to have a baby. Sarah's behind the, the flap of the tent, and she kind of laughs to herself because she knows she's old. Her body does it never worked. But now, even if it had worked, it won't work now. And she goes, and my Lord basically is kind of old and dried up. I mean, there, there ain't nothing happening. And that guy, you know, is what she's saying. And she kind of laughs to herself. And this is what God says. He says, whoa, slow, slow down here. You're looking at the wrong thing. He said, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is any circumstance you face bigger than me? Is anything that's come against you more powerful than me, the God of all creation? Is anything too hard for me? Well, to answer the question, that time the next year, Sarah had a baby. His name was Isaac. And he went on to be part of the generations of many nations that Abraham was the patriarch of because nothing is too hard for God. But see, they had to focus on who was right before them and not on their broken bodies, not on their age, not on their circumstance, not on what had never worked. See, they couldn't fix it on their own, but nothing's too hard for God. So today as we close, if you've got a problem that's too hard for a doctor, nothing's too hard for God. 
If you've got a problem that's too hard for a lawyer, nothing's too hard for God. If you've got a problem that you can't fix, nothing's too hard for God. And he's made it available to you. You just got to slow, focus, receive everything that's available to you. Amen? Can, you understand what I'm saying? That's the power. That's the power of, of partaking, remembering, identifying with the Lord's Supper, with the Lord's um, table, with the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So we're going to say goodbye to 2020 the right way, and we're going to say hello to 2021 the right way by remembering who we are and who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Amen? You guys with me on that? Yeah. So if you would bow your heads and close your eyes. I thank you, Father, that as we begin to receive from the communion table, we receive the, the broken body and the shed blood, the full benefit of what it means to be your child in covenant with you because of what Jesus Christ has made available for us. Father, we say thank you. We'll not be distracted by circumstance. But Father, we lean in to the promise. And we thank you for it. And for everybody watching online and for those of you sitting here today, maybe you've never received Jesus. I certainly don't want you to receive communion not knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So I want to encourage you, if you're here today and you've never made that decision, today's the perfect day. It's not based on you and what you've done right or what you've done wrong. It's based on what Jesus did. So if you're here or if you're online, would you raise your hand? Let me know that you know, you've decided I'm going to receive Jesus. I'm going to focus on him. I'm going to identify with what it means to be a child of God. Anybody here that's never done it before, but you're ready to do it. Hey Amen. We're all, we're all born again here, man. We're, we're, we're ready for this, and that's exciting. But if you're online, uh, there's a place on the website that you can go to and let us know you've made this decision. And we will reach out to you, and we will help you and meet you and give you some information, some materials, because it's very important that you identify and you understand the fullness of being a child of God in right standing with your heavenly father. But for the sake of anybody online and for everybody here, you're ready to make this. Maybe it's the first time you've ever fully counted on what it means to be a child of God. Let's all say this together. Father, today, as we receive the communion elements, which represent the broken body and the shed blood of your son, our savior, we fully step into the provisions of this covenant of grace that is ours because of your love. Thank you. We receive it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. All right. Everybody got your elements? Did you guys get anything out of this to help anybody? Yeah. Encourage you? This is the end of this teaching. We hope you enjoyed it. To stay connected with our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv or like us on Facebook. Thank you.